Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. It's good to have you this morning. Uh, we're going to keep you just the lights just like this. There's The fill-ins are already filled in. Everything's there for you. It's going to be a different message because... This is July 4th weekend. Thank you for coming out. We didn't know if anybody came come on a Saturday, but praise the Lord, you came out, and my worst fears never came true, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, <clears throat> the message is titled, Tenemos Todo. I had an accent, didn't I? That's pretty good. Uh, don't ask me to speak Spanish or translate. That's not going to happen. But it means we have everything. And you'll see why, um, in a few minutes, why I, I named it that. There's a reason behind that. Um, but I'm going to talk about, you know, this America, this land that I love. And uh, about every five years, July 4th falls on the Sunday. And, of course, we're meeting on Saturday this week. And most will watch it digitally tomorrow or throughout the week. Um, but I want to begin with some thoughts. And then I got four points that I'm going to bring out. And I'm going to talk about some things. And, and the older I get, I'm just being honest with the, the push against what our nation's fabric is made of. I feel like a real strong calling to push back. It's just, it's just the way I am, guys. I, I can't, can't help myself. It's just the way I am. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a strong, uh, I have a burning thing in me be, to, to, to show what's right and what's wrong. It's just the way God made me. Uh, some of you are like that. You're like the John the Baptist types, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like you feel like you see injustice and you, you, you just, it just starts riling you up. But I, I want to begin before I just get angry talking, okay? Uh, <laughs> But have you ever wondered why about 4 million people want to get into this country every year? Have you ever wondered why the criticizers of America never leave the country? Must be a pretty nice place, huh? Um, But have you ever thought and contemplated this thought? What would the entire world look like, be like, if there was no morally strong country with a strong military like America? Do you know what this world would look like? It would be overrun by the communist, socialist, oh, excuse me, socialism is a nice term for communism, dictatorial, terroristic type governments and groups. It would overrun this world. It would overrun this world if there was no America. Now, I'm not going to sit there and put everybody back on their heels, tell them I said hi, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to share with you, let me say this at the beginning. America is like being a Christian in that you know the right things to do, and you're trying to do the right things, but you're flawed, Right? And that's the way America's built on great values, great things. But it's got some flaws because it has humans, right? Never forget that. That's why I wish everybody who complains about the country, I wish they would take a look at themselves and please list all of their faults online so we could all see it. And quit pointing the finger everywhere else as if they're so perfect. But America's like that. And, and I love this country. Now what I'm going to do today, I asked various people... Uh, around me on staff here at New Beginnings what, what do you love about America? 
well, what is it about this country? And I took their statements, and then I applied. I began to expand their statements for the message today. And the first statement that I want to give you is that statement that's the title. It's, we have everything. Tenemos todo. Say, tenemos todo. You almost sounded Mexican on that one right there. But we have everything in this country. Now, this statement was made by our Spanish pastor here at the Norco campus. And by the way, we have a Spanish pastor also at the Limonite campus. They have a Spanish church. And of course, this weekend, you know the schedule. Today here live, Spanish after this. Tonight at 5.30, our Av Church Riverside is live in person. Tomorrow we go digitally at 9 and 10.30, and then etc. Limonite, in person, 10 o'clock tomorrow, Spanish ministry following that. But our Spanish pastor, Alfredo Hernandez, asked him, what do you love about America? And he said, tenemos todo. And then he said, in his English, and he doesn't speak good English, he said, we have opportunity here to prosper. Let me tell you about Pastor Alfredo and why he says that. Pastor Alfredo is like 71 or 800,000 years old. I don't know which one. <laughs> He's older. That guy's like a dynamo, man. That guy's got energy. If you ever wonder what really keeps this campus looking nice out there with the plants and everything, he's always on the landscapers all the time. But Pastor Alfredo came here when he was 16 years old. He came here with nothing. Nothing in his pockets. He said he began to work any job he could get. He told me even him and his wife, Aurora, they would go and clean out stalls. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. They worked and they worked and they began to save. And then they saved and saved and worked and worked and saved. And then they bought a house. And then they kept working with the house. And then he, somebody taught him how he could use his house as leverage to buy an apartment complex. And he did that. And he kept going and going and going. He wasn't even a Christian at this time. And I have to preface that by saying this. How many of you have been in the Corona area for like the last 30, 40 years? Anybody? Raise your hand. How many of you remember going down Magnolia Avenue before they built that overpass past home gardens and there used to be um, like a Mexican, uh, pure Mexican, Spanish speaking, uh, place called El Azteca. Anyone remember that? Anyone? Pastor Alfredo used to own that. <laughs> yeah. They said it gave him ulcers because of all the fights and drinking. <laughs> he wasn't a Christian. And then he sold it, but he kept building things up. He started his landscape business, built that thing up big, kept buying stuff, buying property, and that man is super, super successful. He's our Spanish pastor. He got saved about 20-some years ago. And he's devoted his life to Christ, left the business, everything. But in this country, he found the opportunity to succeed and to prosper in America. And if he can do it, guess what? We all can do it. Because there's great opportunity. Let me tell you something. This whole idea that people are disadvantaged in America, I just don't buy it. Because you know why? Because I watch Family Feud. Right? And Wheel of Fortune. I'm serious. My wife and I, we watch these things. And I sit there, and as they interview people, because I like Pat Sajak and I like Steve Harvey, they're both funny to me. And, uh, and besides, me and my family, not my, my media, but 30... 30 years ago almost, we, we were on uh, Family Feud. I was on Family Feud. 
way back in 1992. Yeah, I, I looked real young back then, too. I looked real good. <laughs> Those days are gone. <laughs> but I, as I sit there and I watch Steve Harvey and Pat Sajak, they talk to people, what do you do, what do you do? It's incredible to me, all the ethnicities on these shows, I'm an eth ethnic person, obviously, uh, and by, you're all ethnic in some way, but um, they all have these great jobs. How does that happen? It happens because people went for it, didn't they? It happens because people went to school, or they worked up to a company, and they did the right stuff, and they got somewhere in life, but it's incredible to me that in America that's possible. Do you know, do you know, that in America right now, some of the highest earners in America are from ethnic countries, different countries, like Indians from India, high earners. Did you know the Nigerians in America are some of the highest earners? Do you know why they're some of the highest earners? Because they have a very strong ethic of school and of family. Education for them is way at the top. In fact, of the people 25 and older, 61% of the Nigerians have their degrees, where only 25% of Americans have their degrees, my friends. See, we live in a land of opportunity, of great opportunity. So, um, so I was over, um, we're in July now? In May, I went to Arizona for three days. My brother Bob, some of you knew him, passed away eight years ago, my oldest brother. We were 18 years apart. He always told me, Jim, Jim. He was a highly successful person, too. He said, Jim, you got to go to Sedona. You got to go to Sedona. You got to see Sedona. Anybody ever seen Sedona? It's incredible. Drove into that place, and I love the outdoors. It's like, oh my gosh, look at the formations. Look at the, the color of the rocks. But there was something I wanted to walk on, and that was the Devil's Bridge. How many have been on the Devil's Bridge? Not like the literal devil, but you know. How many? Just me and you? Gina, that's it? Okay, if you ever go to Sedona, go to the Devil's Bridge. It's two miles each way, and there's some climbing. And you can do it, don't worry. I'm 65 years old, and I can do it. I get up there on the Devil's Bridge, right? Let me tell you one thing. There was one lady got up on the Devil's Bridge. She says, I'm 63, and I made it to the top. I thought, I'm going to top that lady right now. So when I got up there, I yelled out, I'm 65 on Medicare, and I made it to the top. <laughs> That's right. But when I got up there, there's a long line to get on there to get your picture taken because people want to get their picture taken. It's, it's this rock formation bridge. It's a bridge. You're up there, and it's, it comes across, and you, you can dangle your feet over if you want. And, um, but I'm standing behind this one young gal, young, you know, to me everybody's young, but, um, and I said, would you mind taking our picture after you come off when we get up there? She goes, no problem. And then, you know me, she had an accent. Uh, where's your accent from? I always ask that. She goes, Ukraine. I go, oh. I go, how long have you been here? She goes, 15 years. I go, why'd you come here? I'm always fascinated by this. She, because over in my country, there's no opportunity. The jobs, you can't buy this, you can't do this. I came here because of the opportunities here. 15 years ago. I said, what do you think about all the complainers in America? She goes, I don't know why they complain. This is a great country. Let me tell you why. 
Americans complain, and I'm sold on it. Some Americans. They've been natives too long. They need to look at through an immigrant's eyes. When you've been here so long, all you see is what you want to see. You don't see the... But when an immigrant comes here, they see all the opportunity. They see all the... Because they compare where they're, where they're coming from. I'm a firm believer that every American should go, and I mean everyone, saved or not, go on a missions trip to a third world country. Go somewhere where there's no opportunity. And then come back and tell me how bad it is here. Tenemos todo. Say it with me. Tenemos todo. We have everything, my friends. Pastor Alfredo, absolutely right. We live in a great country. Greatest one in the entire world. Now, the second thing was... I asked Devin Griffin. Now, Devin Griffin, if you ever follow all of our social media, Devin does all the social media. She sings every other Sunday on stage. Mary and her rotate in that center position. You guys know Devin, right? Okay, Devin. Now, I asked her, I said, okay, Devin, um, what do you love about America? And I asked, after Alfredo, I got, I can get some young people in the, in the mix here. You know, like I said, Alfredo's like half a million years old. But anyway, um, I asked her, I go, what, what do you love about America? And she said this point too. She said, because men and women lay down their life to protect us. <laughs> Works for me. Put the image up on the screen, please. Is it behind me? Yeah, it's behind me. Okay. Um, I'm walking on the beach about four or five years ago in New Jersey. New Jersey. And I, I run into this plaque because they have some real cool military type um, monuments along the beach in the New Jersey area. And I was in Brighton Park, New Jersey, walking along uh, because my wife and I have been to Ocean City a couple times, and it's about, I don't know, 10 miles south of Atlantic City. Don't go to Atlantic City. It's, uh... But anyway, I'm walking along Brighton Park, and, and I see this plaque of this, of this young, and I start reading it. And let me tell you what the plaque says, because you really can't see what it says, but let me tell you what it said. And that's why I took a picture of it because I thought, one day I'm going to use this somewhere, someway in a message. Four or five years later, and now I'm using it. It says, Henry Svela, S-V-E-H-L-A. He was a private who died June 12, 1952, just short of his 20th birthday in the Korean War. They came under intense fire. Mind you, he's 19. He disregarded his own safety. He destroyed an enemy position. But fragments of a mortar round exploded nearby, severely wounding him in the face. He refuses medical treatment. He continues to lead the attack. The enemy throws a grenade. It lands in the middle of him and his fellow soldiers. He knew the damage it would do. He has a split second to think about what he's going to do. And at age 19, on June 12, 1952, he throws his body on top of the grenade. It explodes. It instantly kills him, but it saves all the other soldiers around him. Now we know there are many, 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 many more stories like that throughout the wars of what Americans have done. How they shed their blood. 
They shed their blood so that you and I could sit here and enjoy and prosper and be safe. Amen? That's why the flag's so important to me. That's why it's in my DNA. My dad was wounded in Brussels, Belgium, in the Battle of the Bulge, one of the worst battles as Hitler threw everything he had at us in World War II to try to stave off the Allies. My dad was in that battle. And my dad was wounded with shrapnel. You guys know that. I tell this story every year. Bleeding in a foxhole as the mortar was moving towards his heart. It went in through the arm, it was moving towards his heart. This side, this way. He knew he had to get out of that foxhole or he's going to die in that foxhole. Many men died in that battle, not from bullets or mortar. They froze to death. It was in the dead of winter in December. They never woke up from sleep. It was brutal. It was just brutal. But my dad got out, and he made it. And they saved his life. They took that out of his body. But he shed his blood. See that red on there? On that flag? That means a lot to me. It might as well be my dad's blood on there. It's Henry's blood. 19 years old. Let me tell you why a flag is so important. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the last week of his life, that Palm Sunday, what we know as Palm Sunday, they're all singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're waving palm branches. We read that and go, oh, it's cool. No, it's beyond cool. Hosanna means, oh, save us, like right now. There's an urgency to it. Save us right now. But the palm branches, there's a reason why they're waving palm branches. Because about a hundred and, well, about 200 years before that, there was a man who came into Jerusalem, Antiochus Epiphanes IV. You read about him in Daniel. He's a historical true figure. He overtook um, the temple, took Jerusalem, killed a pig, poured the pig's blood on the altar of God, put a statue of Zeus in there. It's the abomination of desolation, first time. There'll be another one in the great seven-year tribulation with the Antichrist. It'll be the same. But this time he'll say, now you worship me. The freedom fighters under the Maccabeans, they fought back. It took them about two, three years, but they got the city back, and they cleansed the temple, and on December 25th, 165 B.C., they dedicated it again. During that revolt, during that fight to get their temple back, to get their city back, the symbol, the symbol that became their symbol, like their flag, was the palm branch. So when Jesus rides into Jerusalem and they wave palm branches, it's like waving their flag because they thought he's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to overthrow that government. Now he overthrew the temple because of the sin in the believers' lives. But that was a symbol. You have to have a symbol that you rally around. And that's our symbol. And how many Americans have shed their blood? How many for that thing? To give us freedom. To give us freedom. 
So I look at that flag, it's a big deal. My dad's blood's on that flag. Thank God he lived. Because if he didn't, I'd have never been born. But thank God he lived. So yeah, Devin Griffin is right. We live in a great country because people are willing to die for it so that you and I can be safe, so you and I can prosper. We live in a great country, a great country. The third thing I want to share today is this. I asked Robert Arroyo, who is one of our main frames in the student ministries. You guys know Robert? Up here, never stops smiling. You know that guy? Like, how can somebody be that happy, right? I go, come on, you got to be sad sometimes. Yeah, I am sometimes. I said, Robert, what's great about America? He said, we have religious freedom. Amen. Pastor Aaron, I asked her, and she added, yeah, but I've seen places where they're not free. I've seen a few. But she's seen way more than I've ever seen. Some of us don't know this, but there are countries in this world right now, as a Christian, if you share your faith with anyone, or you lead someone to Christ, They'll arrest you, they'll put you in prison for life, or they will execute you. Don't tell me there's not a literal devil that wants to step out Christianity, that there's not a real Jesus Christ. Why would there be such anger towards faith like that? Now, when Robert told me, he said, when he said, we have religious freedom, I said, yeah, so far. Because see, I sit on this side. And I watch everything. And I read up. And I'm watching for things that are happening all the time. I have concerns about my country and about the way things are going. I look at things and we're on a slippery slope right now. And you may think, oh, come on, Jim. You're... <laughs> really? Get your head out of the ground. Let me tell you one of my many, many concerns about where things are going wrong. And this, you may think, that's a, not a big deal. It's a huge deal what I'm going to tell you. And I'll, let me listen to everything I'm going to say. One of my big concerns now is the new definition of the word tolerance. You've heard me talk about this before. Tolerance used to mean and really does mean that everyone has a right in America to their own convictions, beliefs, worldview, judgments about what's right and wrong, though we've got to follow American laws. But you have a right to what you, what you believe. That's called freedom. Say freedom. freedom. But uh, tolerance doesn't mean that anymore. At least you're trying to change the definition of it. And the new definition is extremely dangerous to freedom. Voltaire, not a Christian man, he's against Christians, he said this, back in the 1700s. He said, uh, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. I agree with him. I can disapprove, disagree with what you believe, what you say, but I will defend your right to believe it. That's called freedom. Amen? But let me tell you what the new tolerance is, and it really worries me. It just does. I'm older. I won't be around, but I'll, as long as I watch my little granddaughters now, because I worry about what's this world going to be like when they get older. And guys, as I was telling the AV, I go, AV guys, I go, there is no other, place, no other country to run to anymore. This was it, okay? You can't go anywhere, anywhere else in this world now. This was it. 
But here's the new tolerance of what concerns me in America. I cannot offend anyone. I can't disapprove of your lifestyle choices. I can't disapprove of your behavior. The new tolerance says there's only, <laughs> there's no absolutes except one. This is what, what they really mean. There's no absolutes except one. And here's their absolute. I have to be tolerant of everyone else's view and I have to affirm and praise you no matter your lifestyle or I just need to shut up. Because if I disagree, that's just hate speech. Or I just hate you. That's a dangerous slope. It's a dangerous slope because it's not freedom. It's not freedom of speech. And just a logical, and I've told you this one before, it's so logical that I, if, I disagree, I can't, if I disagree with you, I must hate you? Parents, have you ever disagreed with your child? Did you hate them? You love them. They, can't get the, they don't get that out there. It's so logically simple. Now let me show you where this can go. Because already right now, it's just going. In some of your jobs everywhere, they're re-educating you all over the place. In Daniel chapter 6, if you ever want to see and compare what's going on here, go, go to Daniel. Because history keeps repeating itself because the devil has some pretty good ideas on how to mess things up, right? Well, just go to Daniel. Just read the whole thing. You'll see it. But let me tell you Daniel chapter 6. There were people on the same level on the job as Daniel, the prophet. But Daniel was esteeming himself more. And Daniel is a follower of Yahweh God in a polytheistic government or empire. Meaning, they worshipped all kinds of gods, but Daniel only worshipped the true God. And by the way, when I say other gods, they're false gods. They're man-made gods. Never forget that. Your God is not a man-made God. Your God is a God that created all things in the heavens and the earth, right? Never forget that. Somebody ever asks you, say, well, who created your God? Your first response is, well, I don't believe in man-made gods. But then turn it around on them and say, do you believe the universe created you? They're, well, yeah. I go, who created your God then? See, who created the universe? Pin it back on them. Make them answer the question. Don't sit there backpedaling. You go on the offensive. But anyway, I, lest I digress. I get, I get a little bit testy about this stuff. But in Daniel chapter 6, they want to get rid of Daniel because he's, he's this worshiper of Yahweh God. So they pass a secret law. Secret law? They pass secret laws all the time in America. Don't kid yourself. That AB bill about three years ago, remember that one? That I brought forth to you guys? Whenever I see something like that, I'm bringing it forward. I don't care what you think. They're going to stop me, Pastor Eric, from being able to minister to a certain type of person who's bound in a certain sin. They would eliminate what I could say from the Bible eventually. I said, no, we're going to stand up to this. And I told you, call your congressman, call, this, call him, tell him, no, you don't want this. And they backed off because people called. But secret laws. The secret law passed in Daniel 6 was, Daniel, Daniel doesn't know this. They passed, they said, oh, king, let's pass a law that for 30 days, no one can worship any god but you. They're only doing this to go after the one man or the, any of them that worship Yahweh God. That's what they're doing it for. They want to get rid of Daniel. 
The king of Persia, he doesn't know that they're strategizing that way, so he goes with it. Of course, <clears throat> and then Daniel gets lion's den, etc. But they, they pass laws to legislate and stop Daniel's religious freedom. And the punishment for Daniel is in the lion's den, death. That was a secret law. They pass. Now, these secret laws they pass are designed. They're designed to shut down rational moral debate. There's nothing wrong with rational moral debate. But listen, 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 listen. <clears throat> Where it's going... Where it's going right now is an attempt to stop guys like me from preaching on certain sinful lifestyles. And they'll label what that Bible says as hate speech. As hate speech. That's where it's going. You say, oh, come on, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Or where it's going is if you disagree you disagree with the re-education process that's going on everywhere, on your jobs, in schools, as far as kindergarten, and now I've heard that they're going to try to do it in preschools, they're doing this re-education process, you just might get fired. You might get let go. Say, they don't re-educate. They're re-educating right now. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. They put Daniel in the schools in Babylon to re-educate him. It's a satanic principle. That's what they try to. That's what they're, doing. they're trying to do. These things. Go read about what they're doing to the uh, this minority um, Muslim group in China right now. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's what they're trying to do to them. How they're re-educating them, and what they're doing, because they want them to follow suit with the Communist Party and to think like that. Don't kid yourself, friends. It's a slippery slope that we're on right now. Well, we can't speak up. We can't say anything. All of a sudden, you're either intolerant, you're a hater, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're this. Don't listen to them. You stand up in love and you share what you know to be true. And you do that. In love. In love. That's where you've got to be careful. But history is repeating itself. This, what we're seeing here, not new. Not new at all. It's happened before, again, and again, and again. Now, lest anybody thinks things like this are not happening in America where our religious freedoms can be challenged or taken away, okay, I'll give you one. Image, please. Now, this man is Pastor Charles Hamilton of the King James Bible Baptist Church in Greenville, Mississippi. Let me tell you about this man. Last year during the pandemic, he decides... Okay, I can't meet inside. So I'm going to have church outside. He's got a booming voice. His church is so small. There's like six cars. He says, well, meet in cars. Keep them separate out in the parking lot. This man drives an hour and a half each way because he has a different job, but he pastors his church. Is that dedication or what? He goes out there. Can you see the police cars in the background? He had about six, eight cars in his parking lot. He was surrounded by eight to ten police cars to shut him down in America when they came up to him you know what they told him the police officer said and I quote your rights are suspended in America in America boy 
There was an outcry over that one. And thank God there are um, law firms in America, not many, but good law firms in America that stand up for our religious freedoms. Thank, thank God for those people. Now, while they're shutting him down and telling this stuff, a couple blocks, blocks down the road, Walmart is jam-packed. That's the hypocrisy. Now you know they're trying to shut down religious freedom in America. And don't tell me they're not. Because they are. And they'll eventually label things that I have to say from the Bible as hate speech. That's where they're trying to get to. And that's... And for me, that's a slippery slope because there's no more freedom. Our First Amendment right says this. On the screen, please. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's what it says in the First Amendment. And they were violating First Amendment rights against religious organizations. Now, I don't think this is straight persecution against churches, because they also did this to movie theaters, they did it to malls, everything else. But the day could come when it's just against churches. Just remember that. Now, in case you don't know, and, and I'll get off the heavy stuff in a second, okay? Do you know, have you ever read up historically on how long an empire lasts, average empire length in history in this world? The average length is 250 years. We're at 245 right now in America. But the average length is 250. <clears throat> you know, one of, the, one of the multiple reasons why empires fall apart, one of the biggest reasons is they, they abandon the values of the founding fathers. They're trying to rewrite everything right now. They just like destroy everything right now. And once they do that, yeah, we'll erode from the inside out. This empire will go down because you're rewriting things and trying to change things. Average length, 250 years, then it falls apart. Now, moving on. The fourth thing I want to say today is this. And this was from my son, Dylan. He said, I go, why do you like America? He goes, well, it's a melting pot of people. I appreciate disagreements and differences. Typical millennial. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest things about America, I really like it, is that we have all kinds of different types of people. And yes, there's differences of opinion. I don't have a problem with that. As long as you don't try to shut people down and say they're just hate speech. But yeah. <clears throat> it's amazing that when you grow up, uh, if you've grown up and you have different opinion, different types of people around them, you ever notice you can become, even though you don't agree with each other, you can become best friends? Has anyone ever noticed that? That's, that's you know, that's what, shh, it's a secret. That's what grown-ups do. That's what mature grown-ups do. I know it's not, it's a secret now, but you can actually disagree with people, completely opposite opinions on things, and still be best friends. It's a great thing, huh? If you're an emotional relational grown-up, if not, yeah, you're going to just get mad and blow up. Look, I'm Latin. Can you guys tell? No? Yeah, I'm, I'm Latin. I think I, that's what they tell me. No, I am, okay. But all my friends growing up, white, black, Latin, had Asian friends, all of them. <laughs> I like that. And we've always got along. 
Isn't that wild? So I want to read for something I said about four weeks ago. So I agree with Charles Barkley. I don't agree with everything he says, but boy, he's got some good stuff to say. I agree with him when he said that, you know what? And this is him saying, you go back and find it it's just a couple weeks ago. He says, I see black and white people get along all the time out here. He goes, what's going on is, it's the politicians. And then I'll add the journalists. They're all just building this all up to, so we'll play against each other while they keep lining their pockets with more money, but we're all getting along. Has anybody noticed that? I'm thinking, they're saying all this stuff. I'm going, where? We all get along out here. Right, Albert? We get along, right? You were over at my house last year, right? I just want to make sure, okay? You know, we all get along. And so, like Charles Barkley, I don't buy what they say. I'm not buying what they're selling. Because if I buy what they sell, then I'll think everything's racism and everything's this and everything's that, and we'll start to divide like crazy. See, as the church of the living God here in America, we should be the poster child for people getting along, right? And it doesn't even mean we agree on everything. But we do have our founding values as Christians that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That he went to a cross and shed his blood to forgive us of our sins. That he did rise from the dead. It's, that's historically evidenced. It's a fact. He rose from the dead to give us new life. That there is only one God in the form of three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We agree on these things and we're to go out and share these things, right? See, we have our founding principles and that keeps us strong even if we have other little disagreements here and there. And I, I'm, you know, this popped in my head right now. I gotta say it. See, there might be a person in this room or watching later on. You, you keep leaving churches. Oh, because they did this or this happened over there. Would you just shut up? Would you just grow up? You know, instead of looking for problems everywhere, why don't you look at yourself? You probably got the biggest problems. Am I being angry right now? Because I'm not. But grow up. We're not all going to agree on everything, but you know what? We have founding principles and values as believers in Christ. Amen? But I love the fact that it's a melting pot of all kinds. Man, let me tell you something right now. How many Italian Americans in this room, or American Italians, I like to say it that way. Raise your hand. Man, thank God. Brooke, you're Italian? You never told me that before. You make Italian, Italiano food. I'm going to eat Italian food tonight. I'm going to the app tonight. You want to join me at the app? But I'm going to eat Italian food later. I love Italian food. Thank you. Thank you. I love different types of food. How many love Mexican food? Oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We all get along. We all get along. I like all the differences. I like it. Now, how many of you Okies from Oklahoma, areas like that, your family ate cow tongue growing up. And I'm not talking like lengua, like tacos lengua, Spanish. You know, how many? Because my, my best friend from high school and everything, he was white, okay? And by the way, there's nobody white. It's more like peach colored. <laughs> they even got the colors wrong. But one day they had the big tongue out there and he goes, and his dad's like from Oklahoma, have some of that, Jimmy. I was like 16, and that thing, have you ever seen a cow tongue? That thing's huge. So I cut, I cut the smallest pieces. 
Want some more, Jimmy? No, no quiero. No, I said, no. I go, I go, no, no, Wes. Yes, no, 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 okay. But I always got along with all kinds of people. And we all do, we all do. Don't buy into the rhetoric out there. Abraham Lincoln gave us great advice. He said this. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Right? I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Now, let me close with two thoughts. And we got one more cool thing after this. In Jeremiah 29, and I I didn't open the Bible today, but I'm telling you stories from the Bible because it would take too much reading. In Jeremiah 29, you got that great verse that Christians love, you know. God has a future and a hope for you if you return to Him, you know. Because most of you know the verse. But you don't know the context. The context is, is Jeremiah is writing under inspiration of the Spirit of God to the Jews who are in captivity in Babylon. They were deported there. So they're there against their will in Babylon. He's writing this. Jeremiah has never even been there. He's in Jerusalem. But this is a prophecy is given to them. But here's what he says, and, and I, there's a verse in there that's like, every Christian, and I wish every American would get this. He says, while you're captive there, because they would be captive for 70 years, and there was a 70-year prophecy, and no time to explain that one. But the whole context is, you're going to get out soon. You're going to come back to your homeland. But while you're there in Babylon, while you're being held against your will there, and you've been there for decades now, he says, Plant your crops, build your homes, follow the laws, do what's right. And he adds, while you're in Babylon doing all these things, in its welfare, it meaning Babylon, the place they're held, being held there, in its welfare, you will find welfare. It's not talking about getting free stuff like today, okay? Because we're just driving up inflation now. It always backfires. It always backfires. Any of us who are older, we know that, right? Right, older people? We, we have already seen this. We've already experienced stuff like this before. It backfires. It works for about a year, then it backfires really bad. Um, but he says, in its welfare, you find welfare. Jeremiah 29. What is he saying? Whatever country you find yourself in, whatever place, do the right thing there. Work your job. Buy your homes. Obey the laws. And by doing the right things there, that'll be a better place to live. Is that great advice or what? I mean, wouldn't that be a great platform if I ran for some office? No, I'm not happening, okay? I'm not. I really don't want that, okay? You know why I wouldn't want that? I'll tell you why. Because I got saved in 1979, and of course, we live in a country now that's going to go find out what I did in 1978, right? And, and expose it all. I really don't need that, okay? That's how hypocritical we are. Well, you're the same person you were 43 years ago. Really? Oh, gosh, I can't believe we believe like that. 
And then Christians post stuff like that. Are you kidding me? Do the right thing in the country and make it a better place. Quit complaining. Work your job. You don't like it? Get a different job. You don't like that? Then go to school. Work your job. Buy your home. Do the right thing. Obey the laws. Obey the laws. And you have a good life and it'll be a better place. Now, one of the greatest moments I've ever had as an American. I was 28 years old. It was 1984. And um, the LA Olympics, the Olympics were in LA that year. It's one of those once in a lifetime chances. They're coming back, so I want to go when they come back. And I just happened to be in the Coliseum that day in 1984. Um, an American won the gold medal. And when they hoisted the flag, and they started singing that song, and we're all singing it, and I'm 28 years old. I mean, it was one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in my life. I can remember it to this day. It felt so good. It felt so good. And I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment. And being a son of a soldier who was wounded made it more important. More important. Here's how we're going to end today. I want you to stand up. I'm going to bring out the band. Come on out. I'm going to pray in a second. And Mary's going to minister to us that song. So let's pray. God, thank you. We live in a great land. Tenemos todo. We have opportunity to prosper. We have the freedom to be what we want to be. Thank you. Thank you for all the men and women who shed their blood, died or wounded, protecting us, defending freedom. Thank you. Thank you, God. I just pray that we remember this. That the red, the white, and the blue, it's in our DNA. It's in our DNA. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, remain standing. Mary is going to minister to us right now.